This is Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. For several years now, opera houses across the country have been getting into the business of Broadway musicals. The Lyric Opera of Chicago is leading the charge. They have produced Oklahoma, Showboat, The Sound of Music, and now this classic show, Carousel. Sondheim's Sweeney Todd is coming to Houston Grand Opera next week and to San Francisco Opera in September. And companies from L.A. to Washington, D.C. to Glimmerglass have also been bitten by the Broadway bug. Is this good for opera? Good for Broadway? To talk about this, on the line we have Chris Jones, chief theater critic of the Chicago Tribune, and in the studio, James Jordan, editor of the opera website Parterre and a contributor to the New York Observer. Chris, I'm going to start with you. What is driving the musical theater trend in Chicago? Well, I think from the lyrics point of view, it is an add-on to the regular season. So they, you know, shrewdly have done that so as not to take away any of the traditional slots. Um, this is a time of year when the opera was dark, and they've got this new initiative, which I think they see as an audience-building initiative and maybe even a money-making initiative to do uh, a series of Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals that have been, I think it's fair to say, at the box office, pretty successful. And they are offering full orchestras, of course, which you don't see every day, even on Broadway these days. And they're offering expansive, high-budget productions of beloved titles with a family appeal. Now, with this production of Carousel, is the lyric really interested in creating a show to move to Broadway rather than targeting its usual customers? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I sort of sniffed that they were in this one. Of the three of them that they've done, this one had the most obvious Broadway cast in that there was nobody, very few Chicagoans in it, which hadn't been the case in the previous two. These were sort of Broadway stars. It was not as epic a production as the previous two. The, you know, the, one of the fascinating issues that is worth talking about is you know, what is an opera, opera company's production of a musical? Is it something different from a Broadway production of a musical? And in the case of the lyrics efforts, the first two were, I think, something different. This, to me, was not, um, the big orchestra notwithstanding. It felt very much like a, you know, a Broadway staging, of a very good, I thought, Broadway staging of Carousel. And this one was miked as most Broadway shows, as all yes. Broadway shows are these days? Which creates, you know, problems in the opera house because, you know, you get the the natural acoustics working and then you get a mic performer. So my inbox lights up every time they do one of these with disgruntled patrons furious at the use of mics. But because then, opera know, we, we, we patrons we are not used in, to that. We have other theaters in Chicago, that's a problem too. The Auditorium Theater, which produces Broadway, also has fabulous natural acoustics and you get the same problem there. So is doing musical theater really sort of an attempt to get new customers into the door of lyric opera? I think it is absolutely attempt, you know, an attempt to get new customers into the door. I think, too, I mean, this is just my theorizing, but I, I think, too, I was sitting the other day in a different company's production of The Merry Widow, and I was sitting there in a quarter-filled house, and I was musing on what had traditionally been the lighter operas that an opera company could do, whether the audience for those operas had eroded to the point where they didn't really work anymore in that role, and that Rodgers and Hammerstein, where the audience has not eroded for one reason or another, is the logical place to go now when you want the more populist end of what you're doing. And I think the experience of the lyric would probably bear that out. You know, how many other musicals they could do that were not Rodgers and Hammerstein that would fulfill these same 
fiscal goals is, you know, uh, questionable. But nonetheless, these particular titles have an appeal that clearly works out for them. James, do you think that opera companies think that they can do musicals more authentically the way they used to be done with a big orchestra? Well, it depends on what you mean by authentic. I mean, this is not such a new thing. Beverly Sills, when she was general manager of the New York City Opera, did a whole series of classic American musicals as well as classic American operettas, things like Naughty Marietta and The Desert Song. But I can remember in 1988, I guess, seeing uh, Pajama Game, which is not at all an opera house type musical, uh, with Judy Kay, and she was terrific. I mean, it was a, it was a really wonderful, exciting performance. I remember I went with a friend who was a big Broadway fan, knew nothing about opera, and he said, "I can't believe I'm paying eight dollars to see Pajama Game." We were way up in the guts. It's not such a new idea. I, I, I saw that Pajama Game too, and it was terrific. But they weren't mic'd, were they? I'm sure there must have been some miking going on because, I mean, it, it's a huge theater. That's always going to be an issue in a very bit large theater that way. Even, I think, when the New York State Theater, as it was back then, was presenting musicals back in the 1960s when they did, for example, The King and I with Reza Stevens, there was some miking going on. There was some, some miking in the footlights and so forth, as was being done on Broadway in those days. Um, well, you know, I think it's sort of worth noting that of all the Rodgers and Hammerstein's carousel, I think this is fair to say, has by far the most book scenes. And that really is the carousel, when you really look at it, doesn't have that many songs compared to its peer shows. So in the case of carousel, you know, I was sort of speculating that this was the least singing that had ever gone on at the lyric opera in the venerable history of the lyric. I mean, this was this is a difficulty, it's sort of a technical difficulty, which is that opera houses are not made for talking in. As you were pointing out before, the physical characteristics of the opera house are made to support music, which wants a longer reverb time and a warmer acoustic. And when, when things are being spoken there, it tends to get very muddy. Uh, the, yep. the, the words get lost. So I think that's a drawback of trying to do this kind of show in, in an opera house. Even, even with a really excellent sound design, it's going to be very difficult to do a show like Carousel with his, that is a very talky show. Well, another problem, I think, is that these shows, some of them, or a lot of them, have mixed casts from the worlds of Broadway and opera. Broadway yeah. performers, much more focused on acting, much more trained in acting, and opera singers more focused on the voice. Can opera singers do musical theater convincingly? Well, in the case of Carousel, this really was dominated by Broadway performers, with the exception of Denise Grays, who is sort of cast in a sort of a role that in this production is a sort of, you know, it's already a somewhat mystical role, I guess you could say. And so I suppose the different style there kind of works dramaturgically. I guess I bought it. And there's a sort of a tradition that opera singers do this part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eleanor Stieber did it, uh, Shirley Verrett, and so forth. But uh, otherwise, in the carousel, you really were listening to Laura Osnos, you're listening to Stephen Pasquale, you're listening to Jen Gambatizzi, you're listening to well-known Broadway leads who are clearly at the excellent singing end of that world, no question about that, but nonetheless are not of the opera world. And, and this, watching the transition of these different Rodgers and Hammersteins of the lyric, this one was far more explicitly in that direction. This is the curious thing, is it's, it's not really that the opera company is doing the musical, the opera company is presenting the musical, that it's not members of the opera company, so per se, who are actually performing the music, uh, performing the musical. It's 
uh, what we would call ringers. It's people who were coming in from from Broadway and people yeah, who although were pop singers and so forth. auspices of the opera company, though, nonetheless. Right. So it's a it's a it's a sort of an in between situation. Uh, again, yes. this is not a, uh, this is not as I was pointing out unique. Um, and I'll be in or Berlin in a couple of weeks, and I'll be seeing West Side Story there at the Commercial mm. Opera, which is one of the big hits of their repertory. I mean, this is uh, this has been running for three years, and Kiss Me Kate is in the repertory as well. I think it's sort of worth noting that in cities outside New York, that the so-called Broadway Road, the touring circuit that once upon a time did shows like Carousel, has eroded in quality and resource. So, for example, the ability to hear the full orchestrations of Carousel has diminished in, you know, you would not now mount a tour, for example, a Broadway tour of that title that would financially be viable to have the full orchestra. So the lyric is able to step into the breach and say, look, if you want to hear the full orchestrations as first written, then you have to come to us. Similarly, you also see on touring musicals now the advent of digitized scenery that frequently replaces the three-dimensional pieces you find on Broadway. So again, the lyric can say, if you don't want to see that, you can come and see you know, a major Italian designer uh, working on a new production. So I see it also as the Opera House stepping into the breach a little bit as the sort of the big touring Broadway show has really gone the way of all flesh and sort of now those expansive productions simply are not viable economically on the road. Francesca Zambello's production of Showboat has been making the rounds all over the country. Here's a bit of Morris Robinson singing Old Man River from that. James, that production of Showboat was full of opera singers. Would you be more interested in hearing that than a Broadway cast? I guess it depends on the venue and depends on the production. I mean, I've seen Showboat quite a few times uh, over my career in the theater, and it can be done in a lot of different ways. I, I actually think Showboat would be a show that could play at the Met. It would be have to be a, a very particular production and a really spectacular cast, but I think it is, in a sense, it's a great American opera. And would you go for a cast of opera singers, though, acting-wise, doing a Broadway show? It's interesting. On Broadway right now, American in Paris sort of raised the question of would you go for a company of predominantly classical dancers who are better dancers than they are actors? I think we could all agree on that. You know, in the in these disciplines, people have their specialties, and while... You know, the Holy Grail is always the performer who can do it all, who can sing, dance, and act. They're rare, frankly, and even when you find them, they still favor usually these disciplines are too hard individually for greatness in all of them, with very rare exceptions. So, Opera and musical theater are really different art forms. Do you think if opera companies start adding musical theater to their subscription that subscribers are going to feel shortchanged? Well, I think if they'd switched to slot out, that would be that would have been a, there been a, there would have been riots in the street here. I I, I think the, the fact that this is a spring add-on is politically crucial to the viability. You know, there's a good number of the regular people at the Lyric who are not interested in seeing Carousel there. No question about that. 
they tread carefully um, with the core audience when they do these kinds of projects. And as Chris points out, this is in a way a function of there not being so much musical theater on the road or, or so much quality musical theater on the road as there used to be. Yeah. This is not so relevant in New York, where, where really if people want to see a Broadway show, they only need to go about 20 blocks south from Lincoln Center. So it's a different question here in New York. Though, as I say, City Opera made a staple of this kind of piece back in the 80s and 90s, and the audiences were there. Renee Fleming is about to open in a play yeah. on Broadway with very little singing. James, do you think your readers are interested in taking, seeing her take on a non-singing role like this? Well, you know, I, I try to discourage schadenfreude among my readers. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, the thing is, the thing is, Fleming is not dumb. She, she may be many things, but she's not dumb. And she does not go into anything without being well prepared. Um, I actually have... A soprano friend of mine, and so and no one is more critical of sopranos than other sopranos, who said she was really quite delightful in the part, though she was basically miscast because she's not fundamentally a diva. Take that for what it's what it's worth. I don't know how much general interest there will be in Renee Fleming doing this part, and I don't know whether there's going to be enough interest in in her as a personality. Let's put it that way, um, because. She is not, uh, she's sort of not a high-maintenance type, and that's more the the type that uh, opera fans tend to worship. You want to go see a train wreck Well, I mean, live. I, ideally, you would want either a train wreck or a blazing triumph, and I think she's going to thread the needle do. between those two. <laughs> I meant a train wreck of a personality, and, uh, and that's uh, not... Yeah. And, and uh, if there is any, anyone who has a train running on time, that is Miss Fleming. Yeah, that's exactly right. But, you know, she's broadening her appeal, and she's obviously doing a variety of things. She's working with a lyric a quite great deal at the moment. She is a, a engaged in some brand extension and probably also good old-fashioned creative challenge. Why not? Probably fun. She's a name, uh, a somewhat broad appeal. I agree there are limits to that, but, you know, America puts people in boxes. You can't really complain when somebody leaps out of one. No, no, I mean, I, you know, uh, even, yeah. even if it turns out to be a mistake... I mean, yeah. on, the, on the unlikely event that it turns out to be a mistake, it's an interesting mistake. It's be- yeah, better that than to, you know, do another another sort of silly crossover album that nobody wants to hear. I think we have a little bit of Renee Fleming singing Broadway to go out with. I want to thank you both for joining us. Always a pleasure. I've been speaking with Chicago Tribune theater critic Chris Jones and James Jordan of the online opera website Parterre. This has been Conducting Business. Brian Wise is the producer. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening. I could have spread in my wings and done a thousand things I've never done before. I'll never know.